Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, Rugby Rant fans, to another episode of the Rugby Rant. This is the big guy, Scott Ferraro. We have Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And unfortunately, our buddy Ty Braga couldn't be with us due to some family commitments, but that's okay. Um, if you want to hit up Ty, listen. Annoy the hell of him, uh, annoy the hell out of him on the fan zone because he's not getting much sleep. So tag him <laughs> at like three in the morning, Iowa time, and I'm sure he'll be so happy. Um, before we get into it, really quick, support for the rugby rant is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Um, the Manscaped engineering team has just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It's now available in the UK. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, South uh, South Africa. It's been around in North America for quite a while. I mean, I know for a fact that's how Doug cuts his hair with the ball trimmer. <laughs> um, their third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Make your testies feel their besties. Get 20% off and free and free shipping with the code RUGBYRANT uh, at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% and free uh, 20% off and free shipping on your entire order at manscaped.com. Use the code Rugby Rant. Your balls will thank you. I think that was an old guy shot, Doug. I, we should be offended. Now, is that 20% Canadian or American? <laughs> I have no friggin' idea. That's a good <laughs> question. I got to ask Dom. That's a really good question. I, I forgot to mention that we have Canadian fans. Um, who knows? I have no idea. Maybe it's 20% Euro. I don't know. Maybe they convert it. Um, but you guys, you guys, Joe at all. Yeah, <laughs> you guys know our buddy Doug. So let me introduce our buddy Doug, who is the uh, co-founder of Arrows Up, the Toronto Arrows Fan Association. Um, you guys have seen Doug on prior episodes. We love having Doug. Doug, welcome to the show again. Thanks for having me again, guys. Appreciate it. And actually, we have a special guest. I think this is—is is this the first guy representing the MLR, Rob? Yes, it is. I believe uh, it we is, have. Sir. Yeah, we have so, Joe Hardy. Nine months, and we and we finally yeah, get one. Finally, get one. Yeah, we've been asking for Killer Brew. They gave us Joe, and we'll take him. So Joe Harvey, <laughs> correspondent for the MLR, welcome to the show. No, thank you very much for having me. It seems like I've got some some shoes to fill that were that were laid out for me there. Listen, I tweet at at, at uh, Mr. Commissioner all the time. He never tweets back, and for good reason. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, honestly the social media from the MLR. I gotta say, for the for the past. I want to say three months has, has upped its, its game. So I appreciate that. And George is always on social media talking about the league and, and things going on. So I definitely appreciate that as well. Um, he's pretty, pretty open book on social media. Anyway, back to the game, guys. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is the Rugby Rant, uh, our general episode on Sundays. We do a, a rant. And what happens is these three guys are in competition. They will get two minutes to talk about the topic at hand. If they go over the two minutes, Rob, what do they get? The cheese. The cheese. They get a yellow card. They get their first warning, just like a rugby match. If they happen to get a second yellow card, or if the infraction is so big on the first infraction, you might need a red card. I will shoot you off the screen. You will not be able to talk for the rest of the time. After the uh, guys have debated their two minutes, um, we'll go into a little free conversation. We'll get to the next topic, topic number two. After the rant of topic number two, I, Scott Ferrar, will get to pick a winner. Um, I don't have, have I picked you yet, Rob? No. 
good. So keeping keeping that gap between me and Rob, I, I will I will recuse myself. Going to keep it alive this time too. I yeah, I will I will recuse myself from this one because I do not get a, to get get a win get to win a nice trophy this episode. Um, but we picked the topics based upon what was talked about in the uh, rugby fan zone, and the first topic is actually what what this week uh, R- uh, rugby world cup draw came out. And uh, Rob, what what were the two pools again that America's got? Uh, America one is in pool A, and America two is in pool D. And do you have the breakdown of who else is in those pools? Yeah, pool A is New Zealand, France, Italy, America one, and Africa one. Um, and pool D is England, Japan, Argentina, Oceania one, and America two. Thanks. And so we have the Rugby World Cup draw. Everybody was excited. Uh, we took a look at the pools that uh, the Eagles and Rugby Canada might be able to go into um we're not really sure until we have this we we start this new qualifier we're not even sure if we're going to have test matches this summer so you know we're not sure about anything here at the rugby rant to be quite honest but rob we're going to hand it over to you for your two minutes they start now okay uh neither group is great for the united states or canada i mean let's face it um either way you're entering a real tough pool but that's what happens when you're in the tier two nation status um but, um, you know, there's zero chance, uh, almost zero chance of getting through, you know, uh, pool A is probably New Zealand and France. Uh, pool D is England and, you know, uh, probably Argentina, but Japan has looked pretty good in the last uh, two World Cups. So we'll see. Um, if I had to choose one, I, I, I honestly would rather go pool D. And I know that's counterintuitive because you have an opportunity to probably beat Africa one, which will either be in Namibia or Kenya, uh, both of which I think that the United States or Canada could, could, could beat. But for me, I, I, I always think you shoot for the stars, right? And if you come up short, you come up short, you use it as a learning opportunity. And quite frankly, I think we, we have an opportunity in pool D. Why? Well, Argentina, we played pretty good for a first half in 2019. We had a real strong first half against them. And quite frankly, I think Argentina and Japan, those two squads, those two teams, um, they are not as uh, have as much depth as New Zealand and France uh, have in their squad. And so I think, you know, an injury or two could really put them under duress in a World Cup campaign and therefore leave the door open if the United States or Canada is really on their game, could sneak in there and get a win. Um, and and that's why I would pick Pool D. Look at Rob coming in under his two minutes. That rarely happens. So somebody <laughs> go play Lotto because yep. you might win tonight. Yeah, um, yep. Uh, and notice I didn't announce I was going to go over my two minutes and ask for a little you know extended uh, extended play there advantage. Because I know how to talk to the Sir Rob. It's a new strategy, sir. <laughs> um, so the so it's interesting uh, what you chose as far as and, and what your your pros or cons are, but but honestly. After our poor showing for United States in 2019, you know, do you think being in Pool A will will kind of right the ship as far as you know, iron sharpening iron? You know, maybe it's not get that elusive World Cup win. Maybe it is playing the best competition, considering it's going to be New Zealand and the home nation France. What do you think? Um, well, first of all, I think England has a great uh, a great program going. They're going to be tough to beat. Obviously. Uh, they beat and prepared for New Zealand very well in 2019, so they're uh, they're not going to be a slouch. I think um, the Argentina scrum has always been traditionally tough, and so I think it's really good because we have some young forwards, especially in the front row, and I'd like to see them play against you know some 
uh, play under a little duress to learn from this as an opportunity. And when you got a guy like uh, Taurafete, a guy like Wangaluski, who are, you know, 22, 23 years old, they get an opportunity here in two years to play. And then when they're 28, 29, and they've really had a number of pro seasons and they're well healed in the, in the, in the squad, uh, you know, it leaves an opportunity in 2027 for them, for this to be a building block for success um, moving forward. You know, I think we're going to have to start a new ding because you mentioned Chance like all the time. He's you my know, boy. He, yeah, but you he's know he's married, boy. right? You know he's newly married, yeah. right? He's not. Yep, he's, he's off the market. Right? Yep. I just want to make sure. Um, okay. Great observations, Rob. God bless um, Mariah and, and, and Chance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on your nuptials uh, a month or two ago. Um, you know, it's it, it was great to have. It's great to have Doug Wilkie on here to have that Canadian perspective. So, Doug, your two minutes starts now. I'll give it a shot. So as far as Canada is concerned, and I guess this could go for Uruguay, USA, Chile, anybody. Um, you're right, uh, Rob. Both of those pools are not are not very good. But you know what? All the pools and, and the way especially Canada has been playing over the last five years, um, I'm just hoping we get there. Um, obviously, the last World Cup, we had to go through the repechage, which was definitely not a fun situation. But we still uh, we still qualified. Um, hopefully this year we can we can actually qualify in one of those two spots. So the obvious answer to me, and I'm glad you picked D, so I could pick A. And it's for the obvious reasons you've heard people talk about is that if there is going to be a chance to knock off one team, I think the the Africa one would be it. We didn't get a chance. Canada was supposed to play Namibia in the uh, last World Cup, and we didn't get the shot. So uh, I would love to. Uh, to possibly be in that pool and and uh, have have a shot at Namibia again, um, and looking at the other pool, Pool D, I mean, the other qual- team that's got to qualify would be uh, probably either Tonga or Samoa. Right. So, uh, I, although we did beat uh, we did beat Tonga, and I think it was twenty eleven. Sorry, I had to look at my notes there. Um, yeah. That we also need to re- avenge in that same World Cup 2011 when we beat Tonga. Tonga also beat France, which really screwed Canada over because that dropped us down further. Um, and, and Tonga ended up be- finishing above us. So that affected uh, a lot of our funding that we had. So um, the other two things, obviously, you want to play New Zealand, the best in the world. And... France being the home team, a lot of our uh, pros that are playing overseas, a lot of our, our main guys are playing in France. They'd love to play the uh, the home team in France. So, Poulet for me. You know, Doug, they, they eat a lot of wine in France. Uh, they drink a lot of wine in France. You know what else they eat? Yeah, Cheese, yeah. Baby. <laughs> I always got reds. I never got yellows, so that's you fine. You almost had the delivery on that one yet. Yeah, I know. I, oh, I, I so close. It. You know, I'm ch- I'm channeling my inner Ty Braga right now. Yeah, I know. I just had to blow it a little bit. <laughs> but but by the way, it's funny that Doug says that because uh, we just this last week uh, had on Jamie Cudmore, and he he talked about that very last point that you mentioned, um, the fact that he would like to you know for personal reasons go back and and play France so that he could kind of avenge some of the matches that he had with his own teammates and and perhaps some of his old competitors that are playing in France and now coaching. I'm not sure how much avenging would happen happen against France, but France has been known to, uh, you know, fall asleep sometimes. So you yeah. maybe you can catch it. 
Well, but it, at home, eh, yeah. I doubt it. It, it's not. it's funny you, you talk about that um, in James Haskell's book when he talks about playing in in Pro 14. Um, he 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 says you know they had a lot of great players on these professional French teams, but they weren't really professionals. Like it was almost like playing at a high level club team where they were like you know eh, we don't need to do that last set of Broncos or we don't really need to do this or they're you know drinking a glass of wine while they're smoking walking to the pitch you know things like that and I think now with the the new regime France has and them bringing up and blooding those young players that they did, um, it pushed the older guys to say, oh, crap, we need to take this a little more seriously. And now you're seeing France become monsters, not only uh, with their senior team, but with their, you know, their their U-20 teams and all that. Um, so that, that that quite scares me a lot, um, The France. One being the home nation. I hate having to play a home nation in any uh, uh, Rugby World Cup. Um, but now that it's France and, and they've been building up to it, um, which is something that if – the United States can get to. Um, that's something they could build up to, to in maybe 2031. Um, so, Doug, real quick, out of um, out of all the pools, what do you think your pool of death would be? Uh, all of them. Um, no. <laughs> it's tough. Like Argentina coming in at the at the third the third level team in that pool. That's ridiculous. With them obviously beating um, New Zealand in the, in the last uh, month or so. Um, that uh, that would be a, a tough pool, Pool D, I think. And J- Japan's been playing great lately, so yeah, I don't know. I, I would think I almost think Pool D would be the 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 one you'd have a least chance to win in. That that's interesting. You know, I feel like you know everybody talks about it was it was a great victory that that Argentina victory over the All Blacks, but I mean going into that match. I knew from just being a fan of college football, that was a trap game. That was one of those, you have a top five team going to play, you know, that's that Michigan Appalachia state where they think they're just going to roll on them after they played a bunch of competition, you know, up to a certain point and you just kind of fall asleep at the wheel. So I wonder how much it was fall asleep at the wheel versus Argentina coming in and really, you know, doing a job. I think it was, it was maybe 50, 50. But Argentina tying Australia twice as well. I think that kind of, levels out that argument a bit, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, so that great points. I love it. I love that you guys split it. Um, because you know, that's why we want the Canadian perspective. So now we're on to our buddy, Joe. And actually for those of you that don't know, Joe is actually in the UK. It's four 30 in the morning and Joe, your two minutes starts now, buddy. Okay. Well, I think a key thing that everyone's kind of sleeping on at the minute is that, you know, one of the teams could actually wind up being in the final rapid charge yet again. So they could end up in that pool with Wales, Australia and Fiji. So obviously, if we look at the balance of history recently, Canada lost consecutively to Uruguay, which is why Canada had to go to that rapid charge tournament. Um, Uruguay went on to then go and beat Fiji at the Rugby World Cup last year. So they're going from strength to strength. And they also have a lot of players playing in MLR. So you're kind of in this situation of trying to see who's going to develop the quicker. If you had to look at it from an outside perspective looking in, you'd probably look at Canada as being the programme that's developed the most since the last World Cup in terms of bringing in, you know, Rob Howley. It seems like they've got a lot more of a kind of adept coaching staff that actually seems like they're going to be around for a long time, not just like we've seen with a lot of teams, especially tier two teams, where they've had coaches because they've only had a budget for a certain amount of time, for example. So I think we will see Canada be the Americas too. So that'll be in pool D with England, Japan and Argentina. And I also do think that we'll see 
the USA qualifying first because just recent history again just suggests that they're probably going to blow Canada out of the water. I remember watching a couple of games last year. It's pretty difficult watching because people don't realise this. And this is the thing that about me writing for MLR, which is quite unique as well. I was, <laughs> I was, I was born in Mississauga, Ontario. So really, so, so I have this connection. Oh, there we go. See, great man. And you know, you've kind of got this thing of. I always watch on with Canada. It was it was pretty terrifying watching them go to the rapid charge. But I think ultimately they will grow during this period. And it's as much about the growth between the World Cups as it is the growth at the World Cups. And, you know, hopefully to get some more kind of exposure to tier one opposition, because ultimately that is what they're going to need if they're going to try and take on an England or an Argentina or even a Japan, who in many ways the US are following the model of as they try and develop their own professional league, US and Canada, I should say. Wow, he came in just in time. That, I mean, that, I mean, perfect timing by the MLR correspondent there, uh, unlike Doug. Um, so some shots fired at, at at your boys, Doug. But here here's the here's the key point. I think that that we're all not that that we're missing, but we can't really expand upon is what deficit is is uh, Rugby Canada and Team USA going to come out of after COVID for not playing so long? You know, some of these players, maybe they've decided to hang up their boots because of this long pause. You know, so maybe you're going to have to fill some gaps with younger players. And development-wise for, for USAR, you know, we're, we're kind of we, – we, we recently spoke to David Fee uh, in, in this past week's RPK, but, you know, with, with – all the other financial issues that USAR has, what what is that going to cripple them coming out of COVID? Um, and speaking with Jamie Cudmore, it, it seemed as though that he was on track to to keep that pace that Canada was on pre-COVID. So I'm wondering, you know, if that's going to affect them going into the, the next Rugby World Cup. So actually, Joe, my question for you is if if let's say Tonga comes in in that Oceania's uh, slot in um, Group. Uh, D. Um, what would you think? Which group between that group and the repertoire? I can't say a repertoire group. Would you think that America or Canada would rather be in? I think they'd rather be in the repertoire group. Funnily enough, I think Fiji certainly are capable of having a bit of a shocker every now and then, uh, and then they'd be coming up against a Europe One team, which would probably be Georgia. I'd have to mm-hmm. say. Um, whose standards in terms of domestic play for a lot of the players, a lot of the players still play in Georgia. A number of them do play their, their club rugby in France. And then we've got a couple of guys that just come to, to England and, and the UK generally. But I'd, I'd probably say that Paul C in a, in, a weird, in a weird way, especially with Wales kind of being so indifferent. And Australia haven't looked good for a number of years now, really, if we're honest. Um, so I'd probably say, weirdly, it's that one. Yeah, no, I could, I could see that. I mean, and who knows? Australia might dig out of their hole by the time, you know, somebody's in that that pool. So I'm going to go quick. I'm going to start with Rob, then Doug, then Joe. Rob, give me your World Cup winner, your next World Cup winner. Um, right now, I mean, assuming assuming we play right now, assuming we play right now, well, England on form, on form, England. They beat in France. Uh, they beat uh, New Zealand in the World Cup. Um, uh, I think Eddie Jones has him playing at a pretty high level. I don't think you can underestimate what he can do. Um, he just can't lose sight of the fact he can't just prepare for one team. He's got to be thinking about how to prepare for, you know, a, a semifinal and a final. Doug? I like that answer. Um, 
I, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say because we haven't really seen South Africa play too much in the last year, but with the depth that they had and, and just how like on cruise control they were in the last world cup. I just, I think they're the team to beat right now, but they, they haven't had much, uh, much going for them in the last year. So it's really tough to say, but. It's, it's so hard to repeat though. And that's my only, the only thing I beg off of South Africa. It's really hard to repeat in the world cup. And I will say, I can't believe I didn't say New Zealand, but. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think what you're going to do is when you have these South African professional teams coming up to Pro 14, you're going to see in the professional teams whether or not that travel takes a toll on them versus when they're going across the world through the time zones. So I'm going to, I think that's going to be an interesting point as far as maybe South Africa taking notes saying, hey, we can change the way you know, we, we enter the World Cup going into France and, and some of the things we do because we're going up instead of across. Joe, what do you think? I'm going to have to say France, actually, because as much as they, did beat in, they didn't beat England in that, that uh, Autumn Nations Cup final, that was a second team. And then you see a second team with, I think, I think it was 61 caps accumulatively in the starting 15, hold England to a tie. There's, uh, you've, you've got to imagine if they added just two or three more experienced players, what they'd be capable of. And I, I think Home World Cup as well, that adds something, a bit of extra spice to it, really. Absolutely. I think the Home World Cup is is is... The fanfare in France, as we know, is crazy. The fanfare in France for women's matches is crazy. So mm. just imagine Rugby World Cup being there. It's it's they're, they're going to that's going to be a tough ticket. Any France match against anybody is going to be a tough ticket. Um, so guys, that, that was you know the first round for for. What do you think, Scott? You didn't say yours. I, I got right now. I'd say France, and again, I think they've they've blooded their youth. They've kind of rounded out their professionalism, um, and they're they're starting to put it together. And they're starting to realize, hey, you know, we can, we can really do some damage if we put the nose to the grindstone. So I'm going to just say France for now. Um, but I got to be honest, Joe is is like spitting hot fire here with 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 his his rant. Um, for a newcomer, it's great. Doug always has great great points, especially not only Team Canada views but USA views. And you know, the hammer is the hammer. He's always he's always trying to nail it down. So I don't think I could pick somebody who's won this particular rant right now. Um, you guys all picked. It's funny. You guys all picked. Di- Technically, you all picked different groups, which is great. Um, really, because because Joe's really harping on that group C. Um, so it's interesting. I got really have to think about that. So while I think about that, we're going to take a break real quick and hear from our sponsors. Hey, Rob, man, what what the hell are you wearing? I thought you're a Nola fan. What the <laughs> is, that, is that a Murder Not Rooney shirt? What is hell that? Hell yeah, got this bad boy recently on sale for twelve fifty from the rugbyshop.com. Got here fast and quick, just in time for the rugby rant episode, so I can sport the Rooney murdered out stuff. You know I love murdered out gear. You know they got the new. You can pre-order the twenty twenty one kits now, and they actually do get there in time for Christmas. Apparently, I mean, I obviously I looked at the Rooney kit, but you know what I really liked? I did like that Nola quarters. Uh, that was on my Christmas list for sure. My wife knows that uh, probably actually my birthday so that we're going to make sure it comes out and then she'll order. But yeah, <laughs> on my list for sure. You know, uh, also talking about murdered out gear, we actually have our gear. We have a murdered out line. If you guys haven't seen, you know, I'm wearing the regular uh, rugby rant shirt right now. Um, you know, RPK, what do you choose? Uh, but now they have murdered out shirts and they actually have the hammer tee. So right. take it away. What, what does that so- mean? The hammer tee, it started off, it says, uh, happiness is a good ruck uh, for all us forwards. Uh, we love a good ruck. Get our nose dirty and get in there and have a good time. And, um, time. and yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And uh, uh, when I saw 
uh, that saying on the rugbyshop.com. I immediately said, you know what? I've got the perfect idea. I pulled out a photo uh, that I had from my playing days, big rake marks across the back, and I've got my son, Preston, uh, who's now a 21-year-old. Um, he's over my shoulder laughing because daddy He's got single, caught. ladies. Yeah, he is single. He's on, He's on. Uh, from what I understand, he's on, um, oh, what's a dating app? See, Doug, I don't even know what that dating app is. <laughs> it's uh, not Tinder. Don't ask me, I'm married. It's yeah, it's at match.com. It's match.com. He's on that, so look him up, ladies. Uh, he is single. Uh, and, so yeah, and so you have that nice video, you have a great murdered out shirt, and you know what else they actually have on sale? Rug team rugby Canada jerseys. Yeah. Um, you got team rugby Canada kits, shirts. Dougie's showing them off right there. The old the old style jersey, love it. Um, you can get all of your international kit from the rugbyshop.com. Visit our friends at the rugbyshop.com, tell them the big guy in the hammer sent you. So, guys, welcome back to the rugby rant. We're coming up to the second rant. Um, yeah, I mean, we were we were on fire. Um, it, it was hot, baby. And uh, the, the, that first topic, it's funny, you know, because it seems like Rugby World Cup is so far away. But I think we're all rugby starved because of the COVID and everything that we just we, we're going to rip every little shred to pieces that we can find. And it came up right on the heels of the news that you know ARCs are are no longer the the qualifier for the Rugby World Cup and putting that all together is great and and we talked about that last week anyway going into the second topic so recently Rooney and the San Diego Legion sent out uh, a letter to their fans saying you know due to covid restrictions in their in their states it might be possible that their home matches might not have home fans because of COVID restrictions. Um, we know currently that there's no fans in a lot of stadiums uh, in the big four. Um, and if there are fans in the stadiums in some of these states, it's limited to two or 3,000 in an 80,000 seat stadium, or it's limited to people like, you know, the, the popcorn vendors and stuff are allowed to go. And again, you're talking about maybe 100 people in an 80,000 80, seat stadium. Um, we will get there one day. We will get to that, those big stadiums one day. But in the meantime, um, we're going to talk about what, these MLR teams can do if they don't have uh, fans in the stands. And and it might be that this happens in other places, but right now we definitely know that San Diego Legion and Rudy seem to have a, a plan going into it. Um, so first we're going to start off with Joe. Joe, your time starts now. Okay. Well, I suppose the key thing is that it has to be said that obviously whatever happens is unavoidable. It's kind of, you've kind of got to go with what's been said because you know, and I've got to be honest, as someone who's been able to been fortunate enough to go to premiership games and England games since this period of, has happened where you've had no one in stadiums, it's pretty rubbish not having people in grounds. I've got to be honest, it's actually quite it, it takes away from the atmosphere and you kind of feel like the players are always a bit looking around like what, what do we have to get hyped up for? But I think that teams can use this as a great opportunity for growth because one of the key things is that the teams have to grow on social media to engage more fans, to bring more people into the grounds when ultimately they are able to do again. So what does that look like? Does that look like giveaways? Does that look like, you know, kind of not, not video interviews. I'm trying to think of the right phrase, like video meetups, I suppose, with your favorite players, the coaches, people like that. It's the, it's an opportunity for people to say, this is the team in your local area, whether that's pushing things out in local papers, increasing the media coverage by inviting more and more people who wouldn't have necessarily had the opportunity to, you know, broadcast rugby or talk about rugby, write about rugby before. I think teams have to be creative in what they do and they have to engage an audience that, you know, wouldn't necessarily get to see rugby otherwise. And, you know, I think we all know that MLR fits in a gap where there is 
you know, relatively little in terms of the big four sports going on. You know, NFL finishes in what? It's, uh, I want to say start February this this time. Um, so you're fitting in this kind of this perfect gap where people are looking for something to kind of watch and engage. And I think teams have to be creative. And I think maybe those virtual fan walls that we're seeing, they'd be quite good. That'd be quite interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I think the key thing for me personally is, is social media perspective. And I'm talking about this obviously as someone who's who's kind of in the rugby business, so to speak. So I think those kind of engagements are the are the key things that are going to keep people coming into the grounds once they're actually able to do so. You know, you, you made a great point, and it's funny, um, you were talking about advertising, and, and we talked about uh, the AGs putting up the billboards, and that's something that in Texas is, you know, people drive a lot. You know, people are driving across that large state. They're driving into Oklahoma. They're driving into the surrounding states. So having that is, is believe it or not, in, in a billboard form is something people are going to see every day driving. Uh, one of the things that, that on the con side of that in, in advertising is, you know, in New York City, you know, Rooney last year and the year before advertised on a lot of public transportation platforms. They're not being as utilized now because of COVID and, and the situation. So, you know, how are they going to um, pivot their their print media to grab attention? So I think the big pivot is into, you're right, is into social media. Um, so my question to you is, I mean, right now, I guess all the teams are stuck, right? Um, they, they've already pretty much locked in their venues, right? But if if you were an owner and and it came up where you knew that you were not going to have fans for, let's say, five out of eight home matches, would you rather have it at a different venue with a smaller amount of, of seats, knowing that the first five matches, nobody's going to be in the stands? That is a, that is a really good question. Um I think no, because it takes away from that brand identity that you are trying to create. I think that if you say this is, we are, say, Rugby United New York, we play here, as opposed to we're Rugby United New York, we usually play here, but we're actually going to play here for a few games because, you know, we're not going to get anyone in. I think it stands better for a brand perspective long term to to maybe take that hit temporarily, even if you, because you're going to be renting an area, it's going to cost you a bit more money. But ultimately, people know that is Rooney, for example. Absolutely. And everybody knows it's hard to get to Coney Island for a Rooney match, no matter where you're from. Um, it's literally like a three hour subway ride. If you're in the North Bronx, it's crazy. It's a, it's a two hour drive for me. I love going there. It's great. Um, if, if you, Joe, if you're ever out in Coney Island with the MLR, I'll buy a hot dog, buddy. Um, great points. I have a feeling Doug Wilkie has something to say about this. Doug, your two minutes starts now. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to suck, especially for uh, for <laughs> Toronto. The uh, we have the the additional the border is going to be a huge problem for us. So like we don't even know sports teams. We don't even know if they can play here because it hasn't even been an option. Like the Raptors and the Jays have had to play in the states, right? So we don't even know if we are allowed to play here. Are fans going to be able to come into the stadiums? Um, I know the the arrows are doing a great job of of planning for all the different scenarios. So, you know, maybe they they can play at home with no fans. Maybe they can play with half the stadium, or maybe they're going to have to play. And rumors are flying around that they may piggyback with uh, with New England or or uh, or New York and uh, kind of share facilities and and put the put the boys up in a in a college or or some kind of a dorm. But if if we can't be in the stadium. I think we need to put 
the league needs to, and the teams need to put more time and, and effort into recording stats so we can have fantasy rugby. <laughs> I never watched NFL football for years. My buddy got me into an NFL pool and I, my wife hates me. I watch every Sunday all day long following my fantasy team. And I think this is a great way that we can bring in some more fans into the MLR. You know, have statisticians at every game keeping track of those main stats. And uh, maybe they can give season ticket holders a free entry into the league or, or a, a fantasy league or something like that and uh, try to get more fans in that way. Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I got two comments. I got, I got a million comments. First of all, <laughs> your poor wife, God forbid. Yeah. Secondly... Shout out to the boys who are in my fancy rugby league for for uh, European champions. It's me, uh, Craig Gridelli, Aaron Castro, uh, Warren from from American Rugby Pod. Uh, we're we're in a nice kind of like uh, announcers league type thing. It's great, and we're having fun. And I got friggin' smoked in week one because it was my first week. But you know we're getting back in the game, baby. Um, so I, I I think your your point's valid. We need to have stats. It, they we're kind of starting to break out individual stats in 2020, and obviously that just stopped because of COVID. I think the biggest thing is there has to be, and I don't know if this is a this can you know I I wonder at what levels this gets discussed. There has to be an injury report. You want to know why? Because as soon as you have an injury report, now you can talk about sports betting. And how do you engage certain fans in certain sports? Sports betting. I know four or five guys who don't actually watch college football except to bet the spreads. You know, I love watching college football. I, I, I've been watching Michigan get their ass kicked every Saturday for the past seven Saturdays because I love Michigan and I want to watch football. Literally, these other five guys could care less who's who's playing as long as there's a good spread they can bet on. So I think the the MLR needs to actually focus on getting an injury report and moving into that, that sports betting phase um, to, to get them more legitimized. I mean, people will start to see lines for it and they'll be like, huh, what's that? What's the MLR? They're, people will take an interest in that, you know, money talks. Um, so my question for you, Doug, is if you had to choose, if you were Bill Webb and, and part of the ownership for the arrows, would you choose if you had to piggyback in the United States? Let's say, let's say that that's your only option right now. Say the governments are like, listen, we're, we're not going to open the borders, but we will allow, allow you to cross, you know, and you're going to quarantine for the whole season, obviously, and then wait another two weeks to come back into the country. Would you rather pick an established city, and if if an established MLR team in an established city, tell me which one, or would you pick maybe another city you would want to try and, and do this in? Well, I'm I'm going to go off what Bill Webb said in in uh, his last interview with uh, the La Rouge Rugby Podcast boys. He he talked about and and it probably it makes more sense to me to go to an an established place like New England and New York, and they're going to have everything set up TV wise, so we can you can share the costs for all of that stuff, um, you know, and whoever's going to give us the best deal, like you know, share the share some kind of revenue at, at some point, because that is, I mean, that's part of the reason why the Toronto Wolfpack had to fold because they weren't getting any revenue any other way. And, and, you know, not being able to host those home games, um, you know, what else, what other revenue is there? Well, the, the good thing about it is, you know, you could establish yourself maybe in new Orleans and we know Louisiana's COVID restrictions are a little looser. So maybe you can play where, they change the schedule a little bit and new Orleans plays on a Saturday 
Toronto plays on a Sunday and you give, you know, you, you, you people purchase tickets and you can get some revenue at the gate. That would be, you know, a good thing. I think one thing you're missing and it's, and it just might be your, your knowledge base, not in America, Columbus, Fortress Obits, you know, Obits, Ohio, you know, has a big, uh, rugby facility, a nice rugby facility there. It's set up. That's where the Ohio Aviators played when they were in pro rugby. Um, there's nobody in the Midwest right now representing the MLR. And I think you'd have a bunch of people from the Midwest come to watch Toronto play, you know, everybody in the Eastern, on the, in, in the Eastern Conference. And I think that's maybe the only place you guys could pick that wouldn't be an established MLR city, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, shout out to the LaRouge guys and, and Bill Webb's interview. Um, Rob, uh, your two minutes. What do you got to say? I'm going to take a little different approach, first of all, and say, you know what, uh, if if indeed COVID uh, prevents a, a fans from being in the seats, the MLR could actually make something very negative become a positive. Um, and, and, and for my teacher experience, you know, we've had to do things a little bit differently because of COVID, but it's also helped um, set up for you know, the future uh, in terms of dealing with snow days when we have them. Doug and I talked about that off camera. So think about it this way. If you don't, what's the MLR have to do? It forces the league to develop stronger broadcasting because they're going to be more reliant on TV production. It forces them to improve their production to give a better fan perspective for those at home. They just have to if they want to keep their fan base, right? Um, it also forces them to go out both at the MLR level, as well as at the club level, the team level to go out and get sponsors because you're going to need to make up that revenue somehow. So it kind of forces their hand to do some of those things under a covert environment that could actually set up better for the future when you can bring fans back in. And I think that's important to, to recognize. Don't forget flexibility in venues. We have OG as a new venue. A lot of people in DC have been complaining about it. They play a year out in Virginia, out in, uh, 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 is it Leesburg? Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden people start to forget about that and you can settle in. Uh, Toronto, you guys are thinking about a new, uh, a new stadium possibly this year as well. Give people an opportunity to adjust to that mindset. What can they do to engage fans? Um, kind of Joe took a little bit of this, but my thought was, you know, teams set up a faci- situation where they have a big screen, all their fans can join in virtually, and then you have your your players, whether it be socially distanced, probably in NOLA, they probably won't. <laughs> but, um, you know, they could ask questions of the players right there at, at a post-game uh, post event and also encourage your fans to set up watch parties, right, uh, through giveaways and other yeah. things like that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, unfortunately, uh, shout out to Cormac, uh, the pig and whistle had to close down for a couple months. Uh, they, they are still in operation. You know, they're, they're, they haven't closed down forever, but that's our home over Rooney and we can't wait to go back in there and have some watch parties. Um, but I think you're right. I think the TV production has been lacking on the MLR side. And I think what they could do is you, know, you have a bunch of professional broadcasters out there that maybe they just got laid off in their, you know, um, minor league affiliate because they just restructured everything in minor league baseball. You have some people out there and you need to have team specific pregame shows, team specific halftime shows, things, you know, nine times out of 10, they're just showing the field and nothing's going on. I mean, I don't know. Joe probably sees it differently because he can watch the prem on TV. But when, when I'm watching it on Peacock, it's just an empty field and you're seeing like, you know, physio take up a couple pads and they don't do anything. Like you could stream something. You could, you could put, advertisers on on the field they need to have a halftime show yeah it's funny because i i have halftime giveaways Mm -hmm. 
you do things for vans virtually. You go to your watch parties and you go remotely to your watch parties and do fan giveaways. You know, I know in NOLA they have Finn McCool's uh, and and it, it still has watch parties even during the Auto Nations Cup. So there are places that are doing this and you can encourage fans to go to those places and, and get them involved and bring out friends to those watch parties. And I mean, and, and this is something I, I, you know, when you watch the, the, the big sports, especially local affiliate, um, you know, you're watching, let's say the Mets, you know, Ron Darling and Keith Hernandez are on there a half an hour before the first pitch is being thrown. They're talking about, you know, the last game that was played, you know, the stats, what's going on with the team, little tidbits that I think one makes you more professional when people are visually seeing it on TV. And when people, when fans are bringing their friends in to visit as a newbie, also, it gives something to that fan who's already a fan, uh, the, the, these little inside things that we haven't gotten from the MLR previously. Um, so, Joe, I actually have a, a question for you. I'm going to cycle back down. Yeah. Um, do you think that the, it's, a, it's, it's hard to articulate this question in the, in the way mm-hmm. I want? Um, so my question to you here, pro, pick, it's a pick them. Do you think the MLR team should focus on TV production or social media? You have to pick one. And why? Social media because you can localize it to your area and then pick up fans through through the kind of directed ads that you sometimes will see for something that you didn't know you wanted, but sometimes you really do need. Like Manscaped. <laughs> there you go. We got to we got to see if we can get Joe some swag. And I mean, I'm wondering, you know, because we we obviously we're in a digital age and 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 Robin and Doug can attest to this being teachers and dealing with young young people, you know, they're very social media adept. Um some of the older people are not. So I'm wondering if if you're losing maybe that older segment because you're pushing the social media so hard. But that's that's another question for later. That's a whole other rant that I think we can bring Joe on for. So, um, Doug, one more question for you real quick. Do you think, if, if again, if Toronto, and I, this is just your opinion. This isn't just so you guys know Doug's not, you know, speaking for the hours right now. And this is just a crazy question I had. Um, if if you're the owner of the arrows and you have to go play in, in, in D.C., let's say, or, you know, Virginia. Chicago. Um, yeah, Chicago. Who cares? <laughs> First of all, let me just say they could play in Chicago. Here's a, a potential market. They could stay at the hotel right right next to SeaKeek Stadium. They've got a whole practice facility. They got a, a dome facility. They could make it happen in Chicago. I'm just saying. I was thinking that I didn't want to interject though. That was all. <laughs> Joe agrees. It's funny. Um, they're not going to go there. And I think you just kind of piggybacked off my Fortress Obits thing before. But, you know, Rob, Rob does that. So I don't like Ohio. Ohio. And you don't either. either. You're a <laughs> I know. I don't. But I'm, I'm, I'm realist in, in saying that it's set up for that already. Um, so, Doug, if you had to go play in, in another MLR city, would you try and look for American sponsors? Or would you – and would you, would you say to your Canadian sponsors, hey, this year is just going to be tough and we need to be realistic about it? <laughs> That's – yeah, it's it's – Getting sponsors in a in such a young league is probably not the easiest thing to do. So I, you know, I would hate to all of a sudden put, and, and we're hoping COVID isn't going to last. Like we're getting, you know, so like hopefully if this does happen and we are playing in the states, hopefully it's only for the first half of the season. And the good news is, is because the season is is, 
set up the way it is. Now it's not like all of our home games are in, all in a row. It, I, I'm really yeah. looking forward to this being it all mixed in. So I'm I'm hopeful that if we do start in the states, that uh, we will eventually be able to come back into Canada. And having that later start for us, I mean, having the bye in the first week and then our home game isn't until like week four or five. Um, you know, I'm just hopeful that it's it's maybe the border will open up at that point. And, you know, so I don't think I don't think trying. I mean, obviously, Bill Webb would probably want to get money from anywhere. But I mean, <laughs> let's let's try to maybe focus on on the people who are going to, the you know, the horses we're going to ride for the next I hear that. I hear that. I'm just, you know, in, in the short term too, because you were talking about money and, you know, you may be in a city that changes its COVID restrictions and you might not get that gate money. So, you know, it was just a kind of out of the box thinking question, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just, is, is there league revenue sharing for things like that? I, I, I would let, you know, I'd really like to know that because to me, even if um, even the fact that you can't play in your home stadium and just and just have that facility and now you're paying the extra money, like I couldn't imagine what the bill. Even if they're putting them up in a in a college or something, mm-hmm. that, the food, the all of that, the expense in that that would be huge. And and without big revenue in TV deals, I, I don't know how how long they could survive. So I'm I'll get as much money as I can, but <laughs> I already put a, a second deposit on a second uh, season ticket. So nice. I mean, I was going to, I mean, I was waiting for Rooney to come out with season ticket deposits and obviously they, they did it right now. They're waiting. Um, they still have my money from last year, which I'm hoping to roll over at some point, but you know, we might be stuck with, with all virtual. So Rob, here's a, here's a question for you. And this is something I, we, we talked about uh, in the scheduling in, in episode 31, but, do you think Toronto, and this is a, a Toronto question for Rob because he's mm-hmm. unbiased. Do you think Toronto, that do you think the league gave Toronto that first round buy specifically just in case there's a border issue and they can have another week to work on it? Well, uh, I think it's it could be that. And it's also a true to the fact, of course, that um, it buys them another week um, in which they don't, they can delay that home, get that first home game. The weather. So Right, it's a combination of the weather, which they've always had to deal with because they've played eight games on the road were were scheduled to last year, and in 2019 had to do the same. Um, now, it, you know, pushing the season back a little bit, further into the calendar, or sorry, forward a little bit and further into the calendar, um, it buys them a couple of weeks to have an earlier home game. But um, this plus COVID probably helped them, you know, decide. All right, somebody's got to have a bye bye week in week one. Yeah. So, you know, why not give it to the team that's going to have the worst weather conditions and have the most difficulty traveling across the border? That that makes sense. sense. That that makes sense. You know, it's I'm one of those fans. Uh last year my my buddy happens to work for the New York Giants. So every season he he you know usually gives me a couple tickets me and my father go. Um I'm a Green Bay uh shareholder, so last year Giants played Green Bay, he gave us tickets. It snowed like 12 inches. I was sitting in that seat the entire time. I looked like a damn snowman, but that's the kind of fan I am. I like going to those weather games. I was born in this type of weather in New York. This is what I played in in Massachusetts. So I, I'm one of those fans who, who like to go to those weather games and see a sloppy game that ends, you know, in 63. But that's just me. But, and I understand that's not commercially viable for people who are looking to, for, for when you're trying to capture people into the rugby market. So I understand why Toronto doesn't do that. But God, if Toronto played Rooney in Toronto outside in the first week in February, that'd be freaking awesome. Um, guys, thank you so much. You guys were really, it was great. Um, 
So Doug's automatically out because he got the yellow card. Uh, so I'm just throwing. I was out. rooting for you, Doug. Um, and and oh, Joe came. <laughs> Joe came in as a newcomer with you know. Well, see, I think Joe has an unfair advantage because you know he is employed by the MLR, so I think he. Like, <laughs> so it's all the yeah, inner workings he knows. So uh, I'm not, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm going to have to give this win to Rob. Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt uh, wins this rant. Your heart is growing bigger. Yeah, you know, it's, he's closing the gap. I'm it's now because I'm wearing this. That's the only reason he gave it to me is the shirt. <laughs> I yeah, unfortunately now I'm only up by four. Rob, it's closing the gap. I am not too happy. Anyway, rugby rant fans, thank you so much for uh watching the show. We appreciate it. Um for the big guy, Scott Ferrara, Rob the Hammer Hammer Schmidt. Our buddy Ty Braga, who couldn't be with here for Joe and Doug and the rest of the people at the Rugby Rant, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you all next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.